Season 5, Episode 19 of the Decoded Podcast. Good morning, Christopher. How are you today? Um, I'm good. We just had an epic <laughs> on-ramp. And um, what, I think, what I think I can say about it, this is what I'm going to say. At the present time, as I'm sitting here talking to you as a teacher, I have to say I feel blessed to have a union that looks out for me. And I say that because I believe that if there was no union, teachers would be, would, we would be trampled right now. Trampled by anybody above us who have power and authority in a school. Trampled. You and I talked, we've talked a lot about compassion. And remember when this whole pandemic thing started, everybody was talking about, let's be compassionate, let's treat each other well. And you and I, you and I talked about that that day will come to an end. You can't just continue to be compassionate as a system from now until eternity. It can't happen. It's got to go away. Things have to get done, right? Things have to get done in a certain way. People are going to want things to go back to normal where there are markers and expectations and you meet them. And if you don't, you speak to why you can't meet them. You're held accountable. I'm not saying accountability is bad. I'm saying that people were feeling the burn before. The burn will come back. Now, people are still feeling the burn. Every time I talk to a teacher, they look at me with, there's nothing, there's no substance to any of these people anymore. They're just shells walking around. The experienced teachers are walking around and muscle memory is keeping them alive because they've been teaching for 20 years. So it's the muscle memory kicking in. Mm -hmm. The new teachers are watching the empty skeletons walking around and mimicking what they're doing. Everybody's feeling the burn. And if we didn't have a union, I think we would be trampled. That's how I want to start things up. That's good. That's good. Um, it's, you know, I, you know, going into, okay, so the, you know, the compassion factor. The compassion factor that that exists that I it wasn't I don't think it was an initial response. The compassion factor kind of kicked in when um, it kicked in uh, relative to our sudden realization that you know March twenty twenty was actually a thing. Like you know this is a, this is a, this is kind of a big thing, and the more people that kind of accepted that this is kind of a big thing, um, there were you know, we start to get into that. There was that very much that, that zone of, you know, some people were trying to be supportive. Some people were trying, and we're talking about, you know, I'll talk from the space I was observing. So educators, social media spaces, um, people, I don't think people were, were injured. We weren't sort of uh, injured and bruised on the front end. We were just accepting that something had sort of changed that um there were things that we didn't even know the complications to come we were focused very much on continuity and and making sure that we maintain an element everything was about continuity how do we keep school going how do we keep school going and a lot of different people kind of threw in for different perspectives i don't think we really had a sense of the mental wellness element of it yet. Like that wasn't really what we were talking about on the front end. We didn't get there until, you know, partway through year one of, of working through this. Um, but that compassion factor, you know, I think both of us knew that at some point systems are going to systematize and they need to sort of be able to, that's results. That's the bureaucracy. That's the, the drive. It, I think the, the need to hold, to create new systems was also closely tied to 
hope as in as long as we maintain these rules we'll make it through so you felt there was a palpable shift and i've been a rule follower all the way through this i wear my masks i sanitize my hands i keep the distance i i watch my vectors i don't go into rooms if there's too many people i've still been following the rules i was saying to somebody i was saying to somebody just yesterday in a zoom call that um i haven't had um sickness COVID sickness hasn't directly affected my core unit my four people has it happened in my family yes extended family it's i think it's still blazing through their house right now um so they are still sort of dealing with it we haven't had any contact with them uh and i guess nor will we <laughs> in the any next little while um so but back to the compassion factor we sort of we called out that at some point you know there's going to be expectations of deliverables and uh, we weren't quite sure where it was going to come from like who was going to push that i think the early warning the early warning signs of this were individuals on social media teachers kind of saying offering suggestions on how to like there are very tentative suggestions on how to teach better we weren't calling it pandemic yet but we were talking about distance learning or distance ed. That's how we kind of framed it in the beginning. We weren't talking about pandemic learning. We weren't teaching about teaching during COVID. We were sort of really kind of tentative to identify as anything because you say the words, you make it real. So we were still kind of talking about how do we make the current experience. So we're talking from March to June 2020. Some people started to poke their heads out of their kind of like spaces and say, well, if we're going to have to do this to the end of the school year, here's something I'm using. So it was kind of like offerings. And then you saw a few celebs kind of cashing in on it, you know, talking about, you know, pandemic as professional training, right? Like somehow spinning whatever we've had to suffer through and the injuries we've done as, as PD. And those a-holes kind of got crushed pretty quick. People are like too fast, too fast, too fast, too fast. So, you know, I think right now, I was saying this to, um, so we had a, uh, we had a, uh, a PD day, PA day, sorry. What do you call it? PD or PA? PD, I think. Yeah, I think our board calls them, I think they call them PA days. I'll find out. Someone will Which correct me. Which is what professional activity activity yeah, professional activity yeah. um so we had a we had a alert day of learning it was a morning of learning and within that it was addressed about mental wellness and connecting with students and it was a day also where we were talking about um topics like uh human trafficking so there was like there was a there was a deeper there was a deeper curriculum that we were exploring um kind of shifting through mental will mental wellness into uh the human trafficking um and it's a and it, it was a it was a, a powerful bit of training but when we're put in we were put in breakout rooms and one of the things that um struck me is in the breakout room that i was in when we were talking about it is that i was reflecting so i have my tpa I have my TPA this year and I'm, and I'm doing it in a course I've never taught before. Um, so I'm currently, I'm, I'm, you know, cleaning up. It's the first time I've taught it. Uh, it's a course that I'm interested in and there's, there's elements, there's deliverables that have to happen with your TPA. Like there's checklists. You make sure that you have, you know, your lesson plans, your course plans, your communication binder assessments that you're aware of differentiation, equity, um, exceptionality. Like there's a lot of different little tick boxes. So as I'm putting these things together, it strikes me of how it, it just strikes me about the level of bureaucracy that doesn't naturally, doesn't seem to feel very natural right now in my classroom. There's a real abstract space as I'm looking at what it means to design a three-part lesson plan and the reality of working with the students in front of me. There isn't specific language in my board around lesson plans about how you're managing any of the things that we talked about yesterday, as far as mental wellness, 
compassion, connection, paying attention to um, potentially, you know, your students being victimized outside and inside of school. There just, there isn't, there isn't the language in the plan, which just got really, really thinking about how impossible, <clears throat> how, how impossible it feels right now <clears throat> to make a plan, to actually make a plan that would satisfy the criteria for a teacher performance appraisal. And I'll say flat out, I think my board, I've got it pretty good. I've got a great relationship. Like I've got, um, I know that there's districts down in the States that it is like the teacher performance appraisal. Like that's pretty much on a daily basis because you, for some districts, they have to hand in their lesson plans ahead of time. Like you actually have to end the standards and everything else that's sort of embedded in their teaching. There's a, I think there's a lot more, there's a lot more um, obvious bureaucratic criteria that are being observed on the daily basis for teachers in some jurisdictions in the states we have more professional i think leeway um in secondary i feel we have more than in my elementary partners elementary partners the maybe not heavier scrutiny but just the detailingness of the things that have to that you and you don't even get your planning i mean so part of it is like i as a as a high school teacher in ontario I feel like we're positioned very well to do the best possible, the best possible professionally informed lesson plannings and course plans possible. I'll say that. And still I'm looking at the plan. I'm like, it's really hard to build a plan that addresses the kid that's in front of me. I can jargonize it. I can put all the opportunity, all the options, all the everything in front of me, but the plan still feels like it's missing something. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And part of it is that how maybe how we're currently measuring compassion. Like what does that, how do we bring that down from something abstract to something that, you know, my school board is actively saying, get to know your students. But professional judgment and professionally managed time doesn't always get that for you. And I get it. I'm talking about relationships. I get that they're complex. I get that we're going to use a bunch of different tools. I get that we're, it takes time. It can take a little bit of time, a long time. But, you know, they keep saying, bring it back to knowing, get get to know the kids as well as possible. But this plan, doing my TPA planning and looking at what I'm going to deliver, the work that will be noticed. Okay, so here's here's my final thing on this. The amount of work, the amount of, no, the artifacts, here's what I want to say. The actual artifacts that will demonstrate my mastery or not mastery, whether I pass, I don't pass, primarily will be based on the paperwork I provide. I'll have a professional conversation with my administrator. I'll have an observation and then I'll have a post debrief. But the bulk of the actual artifacts are delivered kind of cold call as in here's, here's my lesson plan. Here's my course plan. Here's my communication. Like there's a whole broad scope of paper copy that happens. Um, and if anything, coming, you know, the learning over the last two years, now into year three of whatever you want to call it, distance ed, virtual ed, COVID teaching, pandemic Dis teaching. Disrupted like, ed. Disrupt ed. Yeah. Whatever you want to decode ed. <laughs> See, I got that plug in there. Whatever you want to call it right now. Like whatever your, whatever that, that, um, whatever that, however you, you thematically, you're sort of identifying where we're at right now. Um. I'm just really, I like, I'm not quite sure what I've, what I, I'm not quite sure what I've learned. <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite sure, you know, and I'm a, I'm a pretty reflective fella, pretty reflective fella, but I'm not quite sure what I would claim as, 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 um, as clear learning having come through the last two years of doing this. Last thing I'll just put on this. That's we, there is a, um, remember me, uh, Corey Gordon. How was your day, Corey Gordon, one of the uh, teacher candidates that worked with me last year? So there's some pod content out there if anyone ever chooses to check that out. But um, so he, uh, the conversation, like he is somebody that came through faculty, was in faculty, like he's like first gen um, born into teaching during COVID. 
and I haven't had the chance. I I might get the chance to check back with him. He he taught this past semester at my school, so he did get a uh, a position for the semester. Next semester, he's heading to another high school. Um, so I'll definitely. I didn't even get a chance to check in. They mentioned in our staff meeting these pivots, but I'm curious. I like. I'm. I want to have a follow up conversation with him around what experiences what experiences were really important to him in his teacher learning that allowed him to sort of like on ramp into the past like this past semester like what what was he what was he grabbing onto um and i only mention this because you know you and i i know i don't have any access to how the discussions are going at at faculties but i am curious about what does that like if we're if i'm feeling this kind of like um, when I was at faculty, it really was about the paperwork. Like, can you work with the ministry expectations? Can you design a, a lesson plan? Like there was a very sort of clear, concrete kind of things. I'd be curious. I'd be really curious to, to hear how faculties have pivoted to include this new reality for teachers that are born into it. They're actually starting teaching during this. We had attachments to a previous system, the old ways, and then had to shift, you know, had to shift. And we haven't come out yet, even though I think some people may be looking for that hopeful kind of pivot. I don't know if we've come out yet. But the compassion, it's abstract, and I'm not quite sure what it means currently. Because in the beginning, it meant we should feel guilty. And in the beginning, it didn't exist. And then it became... Okay, it's, it's, it's helping, but it can only be helping a certain way because we don't want to promote this pandemic we don't want to think we don't want to believe that this is going to be here for a little while and then it sort of shifted into well let's just all help each other because we're actually quite wounded by this semester and then it kind of moved into hey but wait a minute the students aren't faring very well during this this isn't the virtual learning that Leche wanted to have happen so compassion changed again and then it shifted into well we're all in the same boat together and then it shifted to, well, if we're all in the same boat together, how does one person support the other? Like, how do we actually, if we're all being harmed by being in this model, well, how do, how can I possibly offer a student if I myself? And I'm not quite sure what the current, current version of compassion is. One of the versions of compassion that I've heard lately is that it gives an excuse for inaction. Well, we have to have compassion. So it's almost like we're circling back to, we know there's deliverables, but we need compassion because deliverables just can't happen right now. So there's like a bureaucratic version of compassion. So I'm not quite sure which version we're operating in. I don't think any of those disappear. And maybe all of them are there still. And maybe that's what makes me looking at my course planning kind of complicated because I'm not quite sure where to position that. Last, last, last thing. If compassion, if compassion can mean that we need to slow a course such that a kid feels connected, feels good, feels productive, and that the compassion can lead us to sort of customizing, differentiating, opportunizing, and helping a kid not just hand in an assignment, but follow them along the path to make sure they feel supported in their assignment. How do you put that into a course plan? How do you, how do you speak to that? I don't know. Maybe I'll just hand in this episode to my principal. <laughs> instead of, instead of report cards here, yeah. principal, I don't have my report cards ready. I'd like you to show me some more compassion and please listen to this podcast to, uh, to help you out to that end bro to that end i will say it is funny i did push back so when i finished pqp2 and um when i finished pqp2 i asked the principal i said can you see a future where can you see a future where this type of a product that i have this podcast that i've been doing now for five years talk about a long game reflective practice where I'm actively speaking to the interconnectivity between me as a dad, me as a guy, 
me as a husband, me as an educator, probably some of the richest data you will ever have about my experience in the classroom and how I'm trying to sort of bring it back into the room. I said to the, to the prof, I said, can you see a future where that podcast could be the practicum paper? They said no. Of course they said no. Of course they said no. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that I would know, have been. Dude. And, and so here's so here's the thing, which our thousands of listeners might not know. I did my PQPs during the, I did it during like our, our COVID. I did the first one right in 2020. The second one I did in the, the, um, the first quarter of 2021. There should be on your, on your OCT <laughs> certificate, there should be an asterisk beside your PQP one and two, because they were done during COVID time. A time of compassion and complexity. Yeah, the compassion, the ca compassion, uh, uh, what's it called? The multiplier. Now, I do have some things I want to say, but I, I we have a comment from Miss Luis. Irma Luis has uh, commented. Irma. And I was going to, I was going to throw this at you, but I was going to let you finish first about, um, we're all in the same storm together, but on different boats. Irma, I'm going to let her do the talking here. How do we support, you know, how do we re-engage? How do we build relationships when walls and silos have been reintroduced? And I'd love to, I mean, I'm throwing this out there at you, Clough, but I think I want to talk a little bit about the re-engage. Do because, it. Because I'm living in that space right now. That's and your bailiwick. What does that mean? My space? I don't know. I'm going to look it up. I oh, think, okay. I think I got, I will look it up. I think, I think it means it's kind of like your, I hope I really haven't said something horrible. I hope you haven't because now I want to say like <laughs> when I go downstairs and make. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, one sphere of operation. Go ahead. <laughs> one sphere of operations or particular area of interest. Okay. So your bailiwick, your <laughs> Your bailiwick is kind of like you get to speak to your lived experience. So I'm going to connect it to this compassion business. It's, I think at the the bottom floor is this business of be kind to everybody you come in contact with because you don't know what they're going through. Okay. For me, it boils down to that with every interaction I seem to get myself into with, with humans. Okay. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Mm-hmm until it hits the fan and and then there's kindness no like what does kindness mean does kindness mean that you get extensions on your report cards does kindness mean you don't have to write your report cards you know i say that and every teacher's like yeah that's not happening because of whatever it is you're going through experiencing so let's talk about re-engagement for a second and compassion mm -hmm. so i've been doing the job long enough now that i can tell you i see patterns and i and i and I, I have canned responses to certain um, questions I'm asked from educators, guidance counselors, administrators. I tell them, if you're calling the re-engagement team to come in and intervene, then I think it's pretty fair to say that you're looking for another level of compassion because I'm not going to walk in with my hammer and start like hammering away at everything and expect things to get done. What you're telling me is the things that you've done and the way that your job operates, you, you're tapped out. You've done everything you can do. You need something different. So let me tell you what we offer and how we offer it. And let me tell you that I've been doing this long enough now that I know that one or two weeks with a kid is 90% of the time not going to cut it. They, they're going to need... They're going to need weeks of support from me to start to engage maybe a little bit in school, right? I'm the academic component. So ultimately, at the end of the day, I would like to get some academic stuff done with the student I'm working with. That's ultimately my goal because I'm the teacher. The social worker's got a different goal, and that's great. And we mesh together, and we try to play off each other, and, and there's a lot of gray but at the end of the day, the black and white for me is that I'm a teacher and there needs to be some academic movement, some academic success, some academic re-engagement. 
is not going to take one or two days. Hmm. It's going to take building a relationship that happens, uh, what I'm seeing, over weeks of consistent work on my end to talk to a brick wall because usually I don't get any response back for a long time. It's just me. It's just me. It's just me. Does that run out at some point? It does, unfortunately, right? Because um, it's not... There's a couple of factors there. One of them is me. I, I, it's hard for me to give, give, give and not get anything back. That's a selfish component, but it's still like I'm, if I'm giving professional time to someone, I, I would like something back in some form so that I can, because I have to report. I, I have a principal that I report to. I have team members that I'm accountable to right? For my time and what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Uh, I'm accountable to the family of the student I'm working with, right? Like I'm on, I'm there, I'm working. Time is a huge factor. People don't like to hear about the time they want. Some people want results right away. Some people understand the way that the world works and how humans are and can appreciate that anything I'm doing is a step in the right direction. That's how they view it. Asset model, not deficit model. And sometimes I need to be reminded of that as well. Something's better than nothing. Is that the, is that what you're saying? The... Yeah. Like there's always going to be a positive. Let's take a look at that and not, let's not spend all our time on the negative because there's okay. a ton of negative. Mm -hmm. Me, you know, me, I look at both. <laughs> I look yeah. at both. I'm like, I'm not going to ignore what's in front of me. There's positives and there's negatives. Let's acknowledge the negatives. Let's build on the positives. And hopefully that will kind of start to work the negatives out of the, the equation. Maybe. We'll see. There's a lot of broken people out there trying to do their best in a system that doesn't work for everybody. And I feel like I'm caught in the middle. And I like it. Don't get me wrong. I love being in the middle, all of us. Like I've learned to love sitting in a place where I don't really know what's going on. That's become my no, my new normal. When mm -hmm. somebody says, well, how, how are you going to do this? What's going on here? I'm like, I don't know. They're like, what do you mean you don't know? I'm like, it's part of the beauty. I don't know. I can give you three or four avenues that I'd like to try right away, but I don't really know because what works with one person doesn't work with another. And sometimes I get a case and I read, I read the initial information given to me, and I think, oh my God, how am I gonna, how am I gonna help here? I think that, and I'm the one that they called for help. Mm -hmm. The relationship piece, I have to say, is the biggest piece for me. And I told you I'm getting hammered in three or four different ways by certain people that I have a relationship with. So it's okay. Like I'm okay. I understand their role and I don't take it personally. I take it as this is work, but I have a relationship and that helps me say to the person, do you know what you're saying here? Do you know what you're asking for here? Do you understand what I need to do to give you what you're asking for? Because some things are going to have to be put aside for me to do what it is you're asking me to do. Are you willing to listen to what has to be put aside? Because you may, if you think that I'm just going to, some people say, just do it. And I don't want to know what's happening. Just, can you do this? I want, I need this. And they don't say it like that. They say it in a really, they say it like Roland, this is what I really need to see right now. And they don't want to know about what's coming off the plate to get that stuff done. Other people are like, okay, go ahead, hit me with it. Tell me what's going to happen. Then they're like, that's okay. Thank you for sharing that with me. Do it. I understand that other things aren't going to get done right now because of that. We have a relationship. The students that I currently can't reach, there's no relationship. The students that I have been able to reach, and when I say reach, I mean like they're meeting me halfway. I'm listening to them. They're listening to me, and we're we're moving in a positive direction. There's a relationship. And I'll share with you before I stop. There's this one student. From the moment that I met with the principal to talk about the student, 
I knew that I wanted to take the case on. I just felt something about it. Like, yeah, I want to take this. Like some cases, I'm like, oh man, uh, um, this is really killing me. I don't even know what to do or where to start. Other cases like, yeah, I'm up for this challenge. I meet the student virtually. This is how we met. We met virtually because we were in the middle of the whole, the whole stay at home, do school from home thing recently. First time we meet, kid doesn't say much. I'm literally sitting here blabbing and I'm talking to a blank screen. I'm blabbing. I'm talking about myself. I'm, I'm asking questions and I'm trying to do it in a, it's just a conversation. So I say to the kid, Hey, you want to meet next week? Talk again. He's like, well, I don't want to talk. I'm like, can we meet again so I can talk? And he chuckled and I'm like, sometimes I just need to talk. Will you listen? He's like, yeah, if you want. I'm like, okay, I'll see you next week. <laughs> Come back the next week. I'm blabbing. I don't know. I said something in my blab about video games. The kid's like, you play video games? Yeah. He goes, really? I'm like, yeah, what? I can't play video games? And I start rolling into my tirade about video games. <laughs> All of a sudden, the kid says, is it okay if I share my screen and show you the games that I've been playing lately? I'm like, that's cool. Like, as long as it's legit and I don't have to look at things that are inappropriate, I'm cool with that. He's like, okay. So next thing you know, he's sharing his screen. And I'm not pushing any of this along. The, the rookie re-engagement, Roland, was like trying to move things really fast. And I was like, this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, whatever. You've got an hour from me every week for now. So do what you want with it. We go from him showing me his gaming. Then the next time we meet, his camera's on. And he's showing me his room and all his things. He's not showing me himself yet. And then, and then I was like, okay, I got to capitalize on this. So I build in more time for him during the week. Next thing you know, this is all online. Next thing you know, the camera's on. I'm having a conversation with a human that I can see. Then I'm like, okay, we're going back to school. Let's meet at the school. I'll be at your school this day, this time. He's like, okay, we meet face to face. We've only met once face to face. The last two times we've tried to meet face to face, there's been an interruption in the system. Um, I wonder, one of them was a snow day. And I don't know what the other, the other issue was that his teacher was going to be away. And when his teacher's away, he doesn't go to school. So it was like, okay, your teacher's, your teacher just said she was going to be away tomorrow. He's like, yeah, I won't be there. I'm like, no problem. Then it was a snow day. I got this, the most awesome email from him on the snow day. On the snow day, he wrote me an email. And this is the other thing too, kids don't check their email. But I, I know tell them, the only way for us to, I said to him, unless you give, unless I have permission from your parents to text you, because you're not, and I don't want to get into details, but unless you have a cell phone and we're good to text, it's email for me. And if I'm going to meet with you virtually, you have to get the emails to click on the link to join me. He sends me an email. He's like, this is crazy. What is the universe doing? All we want to do is get together and do our work. I was like, I literally looking around. I'm like, is there a camera in here? Is this a joke? The kid knows that when we meet, we're going to do some schoolwork. We're going to play some video games first. I told him we're going to play some games on the switch. We're going to have some competition. We're going to warm up and then we're going to break out the Chromebook and we're going to do some work. You get to choose the work. I get to support you. I get to report to your teacher. Like, it's good stuff. He's like, what's the universe doing? When are we going to get to meet? This is crazy. This is a snow day. So I write back and I'm like, dude, don't worry. I'll set something up. I'll be there before you know it. And your job is, and I gave him a bit of a joke job to do because when I first met him, he's quite eccentric. When I first met him, he was wearing something that he had created from the some found items in the classroom. And I think he was testing me. I think he was trying to say, is this guy for real? Is this guy going to question me? Is this guy going to, no, dude, you want, wear what you want to wear. I don't care. As long, like for me, there's no issue. If your principal has an issue, your classroom teacher has an issue, that's their issue. I don't care. If you're in the building and nobody's complaining, then that means you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't care. He was wearing a toque on his head. Some people lose it. They're like, take your hat off. You're not, I don't care. Can we go sit down so I can do my job and you can do yours? 
it's been weeks, bro, with this kid. Weeks. And he sends me a lifeboat. Like, I want to meet. I'm looking forward to meeting with you again. It's been productive. Let's keep doing it. But it's been, you know, it's been a month. And this is one case. And I've got like, I don't know, 40 on my load. It's like, this is how you re-engage. Or at least this is how I re-engage in the middle of this storm. Well, this is also the reminder, swing it back to my, my planning, the time spent connecting here doesn't, like that's the, the work that you're doing is, the work that you're doing direct service is the abstract suggestion on a lesson plan. Like, the differentiate like you're not differentiating you're responding to what's in front of you differentiating i think is the differentiating is the response to having 30 kids in front of you and trying to catch them all at the same time what you're doing is individuating and saying this is what the kid needs and you have the opportunity it is your mandate it is your job i think between the plan that I'm imagining that needs to happen and the steps that you're taking is a gap of ever being able to demonstrate that within a classroom. Like what you're doing is exactly what needs to be written out five pages long in my course plan. When I talk, like when we talk about differentiating and working with uh, diverse students and honoring and gaining invitation, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a funny moment. To sort of speak to it, speak to it on in TPA mode. Um, it's too big for the moment. It's too big for the moment. Uh, not disputing the work being done. Not saying the work shouldn't be done. It's just as again as I'm looking at the 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 format of of what I'm going to hand in as part of the TPA. There's something itching in the back of my brain, and I'll need to come out of the other side to sort of kind of really look at it because I don't know exactly what I am looking at going into it. It was only as I passed through my conversations, I come out the other side. I'm like, okay, here's the thing that was, that was always there right in front of me. I just couldn't notice it till I went through the whole process. Um, I just, I'll, you know, I'll check back with you. I, my TPA is not, is a month from now. So it won't be till after March break that I'll have any data to bring back to you. Um, but the stuff that you're doing, like I almost wish you had your TPA this year. Like I almost wish that you had your TPA because as an expression of, as an expression of, hey system, this is the, because that's the other thing about the TPA, like the TPA in as much as it's a, depending on what you put into your TPA, you can give the system a stunning view on what it means to be an educator right now. Like there's something here, there's an opportunity, right? Um, if the TP, if it, if you are followed for your day, for your TPA, through your professionally managed time doing what you did, um, it would also give the system a stunning look at the work that you're doing. And I think these are really important touch points in the system. Um, I get the accountability piece, the professional accountability. The system needs to know that we can do our job. But I also think there's an opportunity in there to broaden the discussion about what's going on in classrooms, what's going on in relationships, what's going on kind of on the ground uh, in the human you know, being as 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 kind as possible, as compassionate. Like, I wonder, I wonder if ever, maybe I can ask my administrator this, have you ever gone through a TPA where you were actually, it was really, <laughs> maybe this will be my TPA, where you're actually, you don't know what boxes to check, but you know what was going on in front of you. And it's not because you didn't see value, education, pedagogy, structure, planning, connection, communication, empathy, compassion, 
and everything else on the checklist in front of you, but it didn't easily fit into a box. So that's just a, one possibility. But my question actually is, <clears throat> when you notice that, did you as an administrator ever go back to the system and say, hey, this TPA process, I get it's mandated top to bottom, but how do I mark this? And then sort of gathered the discussion at a broader level. There was some, there was some discussions I was in really, really kind of low level talking with some people in my union because my TPA was bumped because of where it was supposed to fall. And I was asking them, I'm like, are admin, is the board providing any kind of lens change or upgrade or kind of like perspective tweaking kind of PD for administrators to be able to do TPAs during, again, whatever you want to call this COVID teaching, distance ed, virtual, like, is there any learning for them to kind of help on-ramp themselves into these classrooms? Because I can only imagine the variations now of classrooms. Your classroom, as an example, your classroom was with this one kid in this moment that came out of doing video game chat and a three, four, five, six week arc of connectivity and still no culminating. So it's, a, it's in process, right? So it's missing, it's entirely where we are in education. Abstract, open, connected, empathetic, compassion, understanding, differentiated, individuated at the same time, mobile, multi-dimensional, multimodal, and real. And then you have a standard classroom on the other end of that spectrum. Both of them are existing in COVID teaching. So yeah, I just... Um, I wish you were having your TPA. I'm not cursing you, bro. I'm just, it would be, because I think the system, the system will never get another opportunity to see what classrooms look like right now, unless they're really expressly looking at classrooms right now. And then kind of rolling that into what it means to be a teacher. We go back to that uh, Trevor, what was the dude? Trevor. Trevor Muir. Trevor Muir's post up about teaching being easy. It's not so easy. Sorry, he didn't say it was easy. Sorry, Trevor. Just more about teaching not being easy, but it's, it's a little bit of a riff on that, right? Like if you were to go through his, I encourage anyone to check out the, the footage. Um, he posted up, you can catch it on his uh, Twitter thing. Um, but it just dips its toe into what actually teaching is right now, right? I mean, he has it packaged in a way that teachers are going to be like, yes, Trevor, I know what you're saying there. Um, but it also sort of gives a little bit of a heads up to anybody who's not in education and would have no clue. Um, could it push harder, deeper? Of course, because there's stuff in there that I know. I'm going to, sorry, I don't know, but I would expect Trevor pulled up on some stuff. He pulled up on some stuff. He made sure that he didn't say a few things as he's saying other things. And that's just, you know, the professional choice and the artistic license in that. But, um, you know, if we take if we take Trevor's video as a six minute ride through what it means to be a teacher right now, and if that rings true as a reality, how do we put that on a TPA? How do we sort of express that as where we're at, like to where you're you're at right now in teaching? Thanks for that, buddy. I'm glad I'm not on TPA, but I hear what you're saying. I am. I am. I'm good with it. It's a grind. You strike me as the type. I've never been excited for a TPA. Like, I've never been like, yay, it's my TPA year, ever. I'm I'm excited. Maybe excited isn't, um, maybe it's excited is the wrong word. I look at it as like, remember back in the day, all the grind, you and I talked about this, about the editing and post-production on our podcast, mm -hmm. the ducking and the splicing and all that kind of stuff. But we did it, we did it, one, because we felt duty-bound to do it, I think. There was a duty, like this is what you do for a podcast. But I think within it was also a creative way, like you were learning, teaching yourself a craft. And maybe that's the good thing about the TPA, because it's only every five years. You realize that you actually do need to reteach yourself some things to see if you still have some of those skills. Because as you become deeper as a teacher, you feel very comfortable doing something like what you're doing right now, playing video games as part of your pedagogy. Um, but the anchoring point is, as you've said many times, 
you do that because you understand how the expectations and the system tools and the actual goals and the human relationships, how they align. So you can start there. I'm struggling lately with, I know what to do to build a relationship with a kid. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people look at me and they're fascinated with my approach. Sometimes they look at me and they question my approach. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't help but be bothered. I can't help. I, let's, let's take stoicism, put it aside for a minute. It pisses me off sometimes when they start to question what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. It pisses me off because it's like I'm being micromanaged. You've called me in. The first thing I need to do is build a relationship with the student. I need them to trust me. I need to know what they're about. If they show me an interest in gaming, then I'm going there right away. I'm not going to mm -hmm. delay. Mm -hmm. If they don't show me an interest in gaming, that's not a problem. I won't go there. But it's almost like they're like, what are you doing? What do you have in your back pocket? And it's like one of those things where it's like, can you just leave me alone and let me work? Let me do my job. When they're fascinated, I'm like, watch this, you know, and then I can walk them through what I'm doing. I like that approach. The, mm -hmm. the, well, all he's doing is playing video games with the kid. I laugh and then I consider who's saying it and I move on. Mm -hmm. But it does bother me a little bit. It's like all the work I've done coming up to this point is ignored or not acknowledged. I've been a teacher for a long time. I've had many classrooms, many different students. I've had lots of great successes. I've had lots of great failures. Let me do my job. I just wanted to throw that out there because you know what? More often than not, kids kids like the video game thing is an easy in with them. And then, but then they dig, eh? Like they start asking detailed questions that a, a poser wouldn't be able to answer. So that's mm -hmm. where I, that's where I call that next leveling the relationship. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. this guy's kind of cool. Then they start asking questions like, whoa, this guy really does know what he's talking about. It's the street cred and they kind of call it the street credit, right? Or relationship credit. But don't get me wrong. My whole life is in video games, right? Like mm -hmm. there are kids where I've not been able to reach them with anything, which sucks. I do sometimes have like sleepless nights over those kids that I'm like, mm -hmm. I, could, I couldn't get to them in any way, shape or form. Hopefully somebody else will, you know? But um, not everybody's video games. Some kids like other things. And so I, I show a genuine interest in learning more about that with them on their journey to bring them back to school. School. Because once they're in that classroom, the, where's the compassion? Sometimes I don't see any compassion. I just see that the kids here, this is what they're supposed to be doing. Let's get it done. And they think that I'm going, my job is to to have the kid learn to comply. That's mm -hmm. not my job. My job is to help kind of make them feel good about it again. And your job is to then step in and continue to do what you do as a teacher to make sure all your kids feel welcome and appreciated and uh, valued in the room. Can I throw a, a shout out? Is it uh, Karen? Is it Karen Tagani? Tagani? Tagani. I it could be any very. I'm going to guess Tagani. Tagani, see if Karen will clarify for that. Yeah, because it be could be Tigani, uh, Thai. I don't know. There's lots of different versions to that. I think it's um, Tigani. Tigani, cool, cool, cool. Um, Karen chiming in, talking about you know professional relationships and learning from each other. Also commenting on your your journey and connection with that kid. Um, yeah, maybe that's the that there's there's that sort of ongoing question right now is what what are the professional artifacts of learning. As, as teachers are moving through their TPA, like, sorry, and I don't mean that as in I know, I mean that as in what are teachers producing right now as the artifacts of their learning and professionalism um, as we're going into the year three, um, year three of, what do we want to call it, Chids? What do, what, do we want to call it pandemic teaching? Sure. Teaching in pandemic? Tip? Yes. Um, oh. Before we go, 
Yes, please show us the art. It's raining on top of the umbrella and then underneath are all the flowers. And there's some text. Oh, it's just the text from, nice. It looks good, Chris. It always looks good. Can I make I'm a couple? Oh, go. Do it, do it, do it, do it. I just want to make some connections. Yep. Karen Tagani, um, I believe is a superintendent in the Stratford area. Hmm. She's also my former principal's sister. So she's PG's sister. And my TPA, my last TPA was done by my principal, Paul. So I like all I like all the connections there. I think it's cool. And then Irma's dropping this before we go. We need compassion, love, and grace. It begins with our why, so that students feel heard, seen, and valued. When they feel this, they will thrive. I agree 100%. Sometimes mm -hmm. the people above the teacher and then above that person, they don't buy that. They say they do, but I don't, I don't see it sometimes. I don't feel it. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to say. I can't say any more. I like having my job, but uh, not everybody... Not everybody's looking at compassion, love, and grace because they still need things to get done. And that's the abstract part of our pedagogy right now, right? We're being asked to deliver that. Um, and maybe maybe that's maybe that's exactly what we don't want. We don't want to commodify, we don't want a checklist what that looks like. Maybe that is maybe what we're addressing partially in this pod is the positive risk that's kind of necessary right now. Maybe that's Maybe that's the compassion, state of compassion that we're in right now. It's the positive risk. Professional judgment, personal connection, and positive risk. And seeing where we come out on the other side. Because one system begets the next, right? So we're now in that, this space where everybody is telling everybody, let's be nicer to each other. And everybody that's trying to deliver the nice and compassion is trying to figure out what's the best fit version of that. And it's a big mess. It's a big mess if they're buying in. So maybe we're in the positive risk stage of compassion. I don't know. Dude, it was a good one today. Thanks for your time. I'm glad I could make it after all my nonsense. That's it was your it was it was the dadhood you were involved in. Lifehood. Lifehood. It looks like Irma's gonna have the last word disrupt our industrial model of education. <laughs> We can, we can, we are, we will, we shall disrupt. Let's see. Have a good Thanks, one. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, see you ya. too.